Welcome to Stories We Don't Tell, a podcast about storytelling. Stories We Don't Tell is a monthly event in Toronto that features candid stories of strength and resilience. I threw out my prayers, they went flying like balloons. The air whipped our hair, we went shooting down the valley. Knuckles gripped upon the handles, shivers rushing down my spine. What's the blind? Well, today we're going to talk about um, the fact, basically, that when you're telling a story, you are kind of taking on two roles, right? So you're up there as the narrative, but you're also the pro or antagonist of the story. So you're kind of, you're this person who's in front of the audience that's having some kind of a rapport with the room, and then you're also the actor in the story. And there's a lot of different ways that that takes shape. I think we've talked about it in kind of other, it came up in the episode with your brother and it came up mm-hmm. in your brother's story. But uh, in this case, it's a much more narrative thing. And so we're gonna listen to a story from Jake Babad where he kind of, he situates us a little bit by telling us about, he's talking about himself, but in the past tense. So he really develops this past Jake as a character. Yeah, yeah, past Jake is a character that he is telling us about rather than, uh, it's not him living that life. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So we're gonna talk about that simple idea. Yeah. In, so I think what's interesting about Jake's story, uh, in this in this context at least, past Jake is very very different from staying in front of you, Jake. It, like past Jake has is a character that we're now learning about, mm-hmm. um, and and that does a very interesting couple of different things to the story itself. It, it, it I think it a allows you to sort of maybe even more identify even a little more with past Jake because he's a bit more of a character rather mm-hmm. than being like this very different person in front of me. Uh, it allows you to sort of be like, yeah, like, you know, I'm, I'm no past me. They were also like that. Uh, but at the same time, it also creates a, it makes, it, I think it ex- puts a larger role of expectation of the type of storytelling you have to do. Mm-hmm. Like you have to really make it so much more of an, of, of, of like a adventure almost. Yeah. And this is an adventure based story. Yeah, it's definitely a, an adventure. As everyone will find out. So it kind of, it works that way. But yeah, I mean, a lot of people start stories. I do this all the time. We all kind of do this. Like, yeah, we start them in the middle of action and we don't give the audience any context and there are strengths and weaknesses to that. But definitely if you're going to put somebody in a situation, which is kind of, this is like a, it's a plot driven story. Um, then yeah, he, he does it in a really traditional kind of story way, which is really interesting to listen to because it is. It's it's one of those things that you can talk about, like, if you were just going to describe your past self, okay, here's a great example. Mm. You know how s- some people, I'm already doing it, no, damn, some people will be like, I'm the type of person who, and then whatever they finish that way, they's never, it never tells you anything about them. And they're probably wrong. And they're probably wrong. But it'll be like, and they'll think that it's different, or like that it's a unique thing, and it's not. They'll be like... I'm the type of person who keeps tokens in my wallet in case I need to ride the subway. And you're like, is that a kind of person? Like, I don't think that tells me anything about you. Like, I'm the kind of person who likes to put cereal in the bowl before my milk. And you're like, hmm. To be fair, the opposite is definitely a weird person. Like, if you put your milk in and then pour cereal in, then you're a the kind of person who does that, because I have never met that person. <laughs> okay. So the point here is that when you're setting yourself up as a character and you're describing yourself, then a lot of thought needs to go into what you're telling us about that character, because 
you could describe what you think that your past self was like, and it could be like that. It could mm-hmm. be like, I used to be the kind of person who put milk in the bowl before cereal. <laughs> and like, you guys know. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, I, I just was going to, there was two things I was thinking about. Uh, was that he 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 does sort of have a few things where he does kind of say, I was, you know, he was talking a lot about being defined by his job. So mm-hmm. he was picking something very specific to describe himself, but he did it in a really interesting way, I thought, by mm-hmm. um, you kind of just got it. And you, you he did like, you know, you were talking about that he kind of places himself, you know, that this was a person in the past and this is who I am, but... There was, I, I just thought there was an interesting, uh, maybe it's just because of the kind of stories I usually tell about my past that are maybe sometimes not like happy stories. He looks, but there's like a fondness that he looks back yeah. on this uh, on this sort of time in his life with. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, and I think, and I think that's what, I think that's what actually, uh, what makes it work mm-hmm. to some extent is that like he, in his, in, in the piece, again, we haven't actually heard it yet, but in his piece, you will see uh, that he says something along the lines you'll of, hear. you'll hear, sorry, uh, you, that, that he very much defends this, the, the, the person he is. It's like, this is who I was and I had very good arguments for being this person. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and I think it was in doing that, it, it made you get it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it wasn't just sort of like a, it wasn't like a, you should understand that this is the type of person I am. It's like, no, this is what, like, I think what it is, is as soon as you open your, your brain up to, and you actually, you track your thought process back to something that everyone understands, uh, then you, then we immediately under, then we can follow your thought line of thought. Whereas like saying I'm the person who pours their milk in before their cereal is just a baffling thing. Um, yeah, and so one of the things that happens that way is because he did, he set it up, like, he set up his little intro in a descriptive kind of series of almost anecdotes, just, like, kind of facts about him, is that this story is one of a few exceptions where we were in favor of more of a wrap-up at the end. So that's, like, big news. We talk about this all the time, like, end on an action, get rid of your conclusion, this is not a high school essay, and Jake had written a sort of conclusion for this story, and then he was he was trying to decide whether or not to include a little jump forward into the future at the end. And I feel like we were all really into his jump forward into the future, and that's the opposite of how any of us normally feel. Yeah. Well, and I think also because it... I think in, he actually had two pieces. He had a jump forward, and then he had a wrap-up after the jump forward. And I think we made him drag the wrap-up in before the jump forward mm. or into the jump forward. And I think that was sort of that part of it. But, I, yeah, definitely. Yeah, it was, it's, it's, it's very rare to have a, and then this happened a year later, function effectively in a story. Yeah. It's almost always a cop-out. Yeah, it's usually like a story. Okay, Jake's story is nothing like this, but it's usually in like a breakup story. When then, then at the end, they could be like, well, then I did this vindictive thing. And you're like, why is that a part of this? Like, turn it off. But that's not what this story was like. So look forward to that. Yeah. And I, I, for me, what, one of the things that I liked about the jump forward is that it, it kind of did a ni- it nicely tied in the character that he was in the story and then the person standing there like it was sort of this in-between kind of moment that got us a step closer to seeing how he's developed into the person he is now Mm -hmm. um from there so i thought it was kind of kind of cool 
Yeah, when I think, and the other thing that what makes it work is that uh, it jumps forward, but they're in the same space. Yeah, and I think that if you're going to do a jump forward, you have to keep some consistency. And the fact that they were on a boat still, or they will be on a boat still, and we're really just ruining the story for Jake. We're sorry, Jake. We're basically explaining half the story before we get there. Um, but because the location stays the same, it doesn't. You doesn't have to re-explain anything. It's just like every you get everything that's going on, and it's it allows it to be tight in a way that you couldn't if you uh, if you had to re set the scene. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something one concluding issue thought about this story uh, is it, this story for all of the reasons that we just talked about and then one more maybe is really different than a lot of the stories that we end up hearing about stories we don't tell and I think a reason for that is that he is he has separated himself so successfully from like present Jake and past Jake that um, he creates a little bit more space for us to think about what past Jake was feeling so a lot of the time these stories because of the nature of stories we don't tell that they are stories that we don't tell they're really emotionally driven and not to say that this isn't emotionally driven but like a lot of the elements of this story make it something that i'm sure is a story that he tells all the time uh so when you're listening to it you can hear the components of it that would be like oh yeah i bet this is a like it's it's about a summer job it's not a spoiler so it's (laughs) like this is one of those summer job stories that you can just tell so it's interesting to see the way that he's also layered in the explanations of himself that kind of create the space between that, that story that he probably tells all the time and how it fits into the stories we don't tell theme, which is to say, like, he made some choices that put himself into a bit of a risky situation, and that's what the story is about. But a story about a risky situation and a story that tells you about why a person puts himself in a risky situation they really those two things overlap very strongly but that's kind of where the space is created and i think that that's a really interesting um space to explore yeah like i think he could have made this story just a funny story Mm -hmm. you could just tell the story as this wacky adventure you got yourself stuck into Mm -hmm. uh but he he goes one level deeper Mm -hmm. uh and or and is like why did I make these decisions? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's does, like, what with grounds the story. Yeah, exactly. But still, it still grounds the story in in, in a real emotion, mm-hmm. which ultimately, and then you know, ultimately, it makes what his ending land. His ending lands because of the vulnerability he put in the beginning of the story, or mm-hmm. because he layered. So that's what he put into it's it, like setting up that pasture. Yeah, yeah. Like the ending wouldn't land without that. Mm-hmm. And so with that. Um, so here's a story from Jake Babad. I'm 28 and I wear a tie to work, which means I'm supposed to like the movie Fight Club. <laughs> and since I work with books, I'm supposed to like the novel even more, but I don't. Fight Club has never made a lot of sense to me because its defining mantra is you are not your job. And I am totally my job. Doesn't matter what that job is at any given point, whatever it is, that's what I am. If you ask me what's new, I'll tell you what happened at the office that day. If you want to know what kind of mood I'm in, I'll tell you about our latest sales report. Any plans for the summer? Why, yes. I'm reorganizing our filing system from alphabetical to chronological. (laughs) And if you want to see me have a serious identity crisis, just tell me that I am not my job. So the summer I'm 21, I have a problem because I do not have a job. (laughs) 
Which means I'm nobody. Immediately prior to this, I have been Jake the temp. I've been Jake the intern, Jake the intern again, Jake the consultant, Jake the freelancer, and Jake the jobless, all of which are fairly shaky foundations upon which to build yourself. And maybe that's why I get just a little too excited when I'm combing a job board and see a posting from a sightseeing company asking if I'd like to be Jake the tour boat driver, also known as Captain Jake. <laughs> respect to Tyler Durden, but I'll take Captain Jake over Not Your Job Jake any day of the week. So I apply. It's a small tourism company running one-hour cruises around the harbor, and they're looking for students to pick up summer work. Do I know anything about boats? Nope. Can't even drive a car. But they say that doesn't matter. They'll train me. But for this job, I'll need to learn engine maintenance, firefighting protocols, emergency first aid. Do I have any experience with any of those things? No, but I once almost refilled the photocopier toner all by myself. <laughs> and apparently that's all I need. <laughs> the two months training program is one of the more challenging things I've ever done, and it's a little hard to be just trainee Jake. But my fellow captains in waiting and I tough it out, and soon enough we're writing our exams with Transport Canada. And then I have a card saying I'm a ship's master, and my boss is pinning four gold stripes to the epaulets of my uniform. When you go to work each day, dressed like Val Kilmer in Top Gun, you are absolutely your job. <laughs> and things start to change pretty fast for me, and in a very good way. Two months before, I couldn't fix a broken shoelace, and now I'm putting out engine fires. Old guys wearing navy hats are regularly saluting and calling me Skipper. I start saying things like goose the throttle and hard over port and a bath the beam. I buy boat shoes and I wear them unironically. It feels great. Now I have a few screw-ups along the way. I bump the dock, I drop a line, I scratch the paint, and I take it pretty hard because when you are your job, you are your mistakes. But on the whole, things go well, and I start picking up extra shifts, because when you are your job, you want to work as often as possible. Now there's one rule. We don't drive when it rains. And it's not for safety reasons. As much as I like to act like this is a thrilling nautical adventure, the truth is we're boating in the safest conditions in the world. We're driving giant steel canal boats, boats that feel like a tank on water, and we're always inside a sheltered harbor. Very little wind, no waves, traffic to a minimum. At no point is anyone's life in jeopardy. But still we don't drive when it rains, because it's a sightseeing tour and there's not much to see when the windows are covered in water. Usually this is straightforward. You wake up, you look out your window, if it's raining you stay home. But sometimes it gets tricky. The weather can act differently out of the harbor. It can be a biblical storm downtown and bright and sunny on the water. And the effect is doubled right around September, just as the seasons are changing. So August is winding down and I'm about to leave the boats for the year and head back to school. Which is a bit of a problem for me because I am definitely not my studies and I don't have another job lined up. So I'm cherishing every last minute I have at the wheel. It's a Thursday and I'm scheduled to work with Tyler who's become my hero over this summer. Tyler looks like me, which is to say short, maybe a little nerdy, but he drives a boat better than anyone else on the harbor and he gets respect for that. I've seen him work magic with a diesel engine, he's performed miracles with a twin screw, and he's been deified for his abilities with an outboard. He's trained me, he's taught me everything I know, I want to be Tyler. It's a slow day. The summer is over and there are fewer and fewer tourists in the city and it's getting late. We've been expecting rain all afternoon, but it hasn't come yet. In between shifts we keep checking the radar and each time it says there's a storm heading our way. 
But it's only now that the sky is starting to get a little dark. So Ty says maybe we should shut down for the day. But I don't want to do that, because it's my turn to drive. So I say, I think we're good. Ty turns to the two families who are in line for the ride and says, it's probably going to rain. And they say, it's our last day in the city. We want to go now. So we load up the boat, pull out of dock, and start driving west across the skyline as Tyler begins the tour. Immediately the trouble hits. First the sky goes black, completely black, like a bad special effect in a Bible movie. I turn on our running lights and hold the course. Just as I'm coming up to the island airport, lightning hits the CN Tower. I turn around to watch, my shoulders bunch up, and when I turn back, the island airport is gone. It's disappeared behind a solid wall of rain and mist blowing off the lake. Visibility on the harbor has instantly gone down to nothing. And then the wind starts slamming in over the islands and kicking up waves, so big that the boat is rocking up and down like a ski that's detached from its owner and is going down the mountain unguided. Tyler pulls the microphone away from his face and says, I think we should probably turn around. And I say, that's a good idea. <laughs> but then three things happen all at once. A sailboat that's trying to get back to dock capsizes right in front of us. My windshield wiper snaps off, and our gigantic foam and fiberglass life rafts that are sitting on our roof get caught in the wind, blow away, and take the sliding roof with them. <laughs> so now we're not driving a steel tank so much as a big canoe with no oars and everyone's blindfolded. My breath gets caught in my chest and Tyler runs down the aisle, jumps onto a bench, and grabs the roof before it can fall into the harbor. As he's standing on the seats, holding the roof shut, I push open the now wiperless front window with one hand, getting drenched by the storm, and with my other shaking hand, try to safely navigate around the upside-down sailboat. But I can barely see, and our boat's having trouble turning in the waves. Tyler shouts up to the wheel to ask if I'd like him to take over. Now, Tyler's a senior captain, and he has years of sailing experience from before he even started this job. And no matter what happens, he can get us back safely. I, on the other hand, am a rookie in the middle of my first storm, and there's a really good chance I'm going to have a panic attack before we get home. But I say, I got this, because if he lets go of the roof, it's gone. And if I let go of the wheel, I don't know what's going to happen. At this point, we start spinning around in the waves, looking blindly for our dock, and the parents on board are freaking out, but the kids are loving it, and I think that's a good sign. <laughs> Eventually, we manage to get back to our slip, and I'm feeling a little like a hero. But just as we're pulling in, I see something confusing coming through the rain. Our neighbor, a sleek, maneuverable twin-propeller boat, is turning around and heading back out into the harbor. This doesn't make sense, because the harbor is not where you want to be right now. Where you want to be is in the safe, warm dock. But I don't have a choice. Our neighbor is heading right for us, so I have to get out of the way. I shout an apology to our passengers and start cranking the wheel. As we head back into the harbor, I can hear the blood beating in my temples. My arms hurt, my eyes are burning, and all the fun is gone. The boat is rocking and shaking, and it really does feel like something bad is going to happen. And now the parents are calm, but the kids are freaking out, and that's definitely a bad sign. As I try to get out of the way of the oncoming boat, Tyler, who is still holding the roof shut, asks again if I want him to take over. I say, no, I think I got this, but by now it's very clear to everyone on board that I do not got this. <laughs> my entire uniform is soaked through from holding open the window, and my glasses are covered in water. And the way the boat is rocking, someone else should probably take over. But I power through, 
and after a horrible 10 minutes, we get back to our slip. This time our path is clear. I've got a straight shot at our dock. I am Luke Skywalker lining up for my attack on the Death Star. We are about to blow this thing and go home. But just as I start slowing down to make it into port, I begin to understand why our neighbor had to pull out. The wind is too strong in our slip. Our spot is sandwiched between two condo towers and the angle of the storm is kicking up a wind tunnel right where we need to park. As soon as I start to slow down, I lose all control and the boat blows right towards the center of the dock. If I continue, I'm going to drive us directly into the wooden planks and steel girders of Pier 6. But if you give up that wheel, you are not your job. And now I'm starting to get that it's a problem that I am not my friendships, I'm not my family, I'm not my hobbies, I'm not my t-shirt collection, I'm not my love of coffee, I am my job. This time, Tyler doesn't ask if I want him to take over. He just watches. So I have to shout, Ty, I need a hand. I run to grab the roof before it can fall off and Ty takes the wheel. Instantly, I feel like crap and everything else gets better. <laughs> Ty gets us in safely, the clouds blow away, the sun comes out, and our very terrified passengers get off and go home. <laughs> and I, in that minute, am not my job. I'm not really anything. So five years later, I'm on a boat, again, heading into another storm, and my trainee turns to me and says, I don't think I got this. And I, Senior Captain Jake, <laughs> Bachelor of Art Jake, Publishing Apprentice Jake, Dungeons and Dragons Level 5 Elf Mage Jake, <laughs> Boyfriend Jake, Aspiring Amateur, Pastry Chef Jake, but still goddamn Captain Jake, I take the wheel, flip on the running lights, and take us back to dock. <laughs> You can find us online at thereapers.org because we're in the life collecting business. You can like us at facebook.com slash stories we don't tell podcast. If you want to help us out, you can rate and review us on iTunes. Thanks to Rayana for the theme music to this podcast. You can find out more about her in the show notes or at rayana.ca this episode of the stories we don't tell podcast is brought to you by captain crunch because it was better when it had red berries it's actually captain crunch <laughs> <laughs>